Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. I want to hear cannons. Tempo mode, dropping the throw, what's it out? They got those to the left. It's intercepted into the 35. Outside the numbers to the 40, to the 35, to the 30, to the 25, to the 20, to the 15, 10. Mike Edwards, touchdown Tampa Bay. That's the dagger, my friend. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. Hall of Fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there are the cannons going. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Fire the cannons, ladies and gentlemen. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are victorious in week nine, taking down the LA Rams 16-13 in Raymond James Stadium. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. Live on YouTube today, following the Buccaneers' victory at home. A much-needed victory. Went into this week, and uh, the statement must-win game could not have been uttered anymore for Tampa Bay, who was 3-5 and five and looking to avoid a season-long free fall and their fourth loss in a row. The Buccaneers come up victorious against the team that took them out in the playoffs last season. Tom Brady and the offense gets it done, going 60-plus yards on the final drive. Kate Otten. The rookie tight end with a touchdown to seal the deal and put the Bucks back on top. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host for the day from BucksNation.com, James Hill. The Bucks are four and five, just like he drew it up, huh? You know, it was a game. <laughs> it was certainly a game. Uh, Rhett, I, I don't think that it can be stated enough how big this win was uh not just for you know a come from behind win um but possibly just for the season you know that not only did this possibly save byron Leftwich's job which we'll talk about that in a little bit but it might have just saved the entire season right um it was a game it was not a pretty game but a very tough hard you know earned win for the bucks that has a lot of good implications. The Buccaneers are back in first place in the NFC South, which is uh, some pretty good, dar- uh, some pretty darn good news. Yeah, and with the landscape of the NFC starting to come to fruition, the Packers lost to de- uh, lost today to Detroit, so they fall to three and six. And now the Bucks are starting to put some distance between themselves and some of those other teams that we have compared them to. LA now kind of a step behind where they were coming into this one. The Packers with their loss today. So the Buccaneers get first place back in the division and uh, hopefully gain some ground in the NFC. 
listen, we've been talking about a turnaround for the Bucks and how it, it hasn't been too late to turn things around, even though things have looked incredibly bleak for this ball club. Uh, if you're going to turn it around, this is where it starts, right? An ugly win is still a win for Tampa Bay. And uh, I think there's a lot of things we can take away from this game that they did incredibly well tonight, as well as a few things that we can obviously still nitpick and I, I think are still legitimate concerns going forward. But as we talk about a win for the first time in nearly a month, let's open things up and praise the defense. Because if that 13 to 16 final score is indicative of anything, that this Bucks defense was was on one tonight. I, I know Matt Stafford and the Rams haven't been the offensive juggernaut they were in 2021, but they shut them down tonight. And aside from a 69-yard Cooper Cup touchdown, I thought he had a pretty quiet night as well. You know, this this defense, I thought, has played – it played very well in this game. And it's something that we've seen throughout the course of the season. They just get really tired whenever, you know, the offense is having their inefficiencies. And we saw some of that today, but they were able to pull – out, you know, a lot of tough, hard-earned stops for this defense and, and really make the most of it and be able to get a stop. A lot of guys stepped up. Vita Vea, I thought, had his best game in such a long time. The presence of Akeem Hicks was there. That was very much noted. Backup pass rusher Jannard Avery, I thought, did a really good job in the rotation. I think he's earned some more snaps moving forward. Um, you also take a look at Joe Tranchoenka, I thought, had a really good game. Uh, that's just in the front seven. Levante David had some good plays. Devin White was actually pretty quiet overall, which in my opinion is kind of a good thing. Um, <laughs> you know, because you don't you don't see him make a ton of plays, but you also don't see him make a ton of mistakes. That's good. Um, the secondary, I thought, did good covering Cooper Cup. They didn't do the best job in the world, but it's Cooper Cup. He's always going to get some yards. He's always going to get some good plays. And I felt like they contained him about as well as they could have given the circumstances. So that was great. The defense really did step up in a big, big way today, um, and they definitely helped earn this victory uh, for the Bucks in this one. Obviously, we'll have the rest of the week to watch the game back and break down some film, see where the strengths and weaknesses were in this Bucks defense. But I thought the pass rush really defined this game early and often. They were getting after Matt Stafford, and that was something the Bucks just weren't able to do. Uh, the two times they played the Rams in 2021. I thought the return of Akeem Hicks was definitely felt. And listen, with all those interior guys, you know, they were they were eating good tonight. Two sacks for Vita Vea, Polynesian Power, big number 5-0, who has stepped up quite a bit these last two and three weeks after being called out for a slow start to the season. And then uh, Rakeem Nunez-Rochez also got after the quarterback and was able to record a sack tonight. Gerard Avery, as you mentioned, had himself a sack on the evening. So, for Tampa Bay, I, I thought that, you know, this defensive line really was the foundation for everything they were able to do well tonight. Uh, the Rams had, had tried committing to the run. I know they got a little more pass happy as the game went on, but even the run for L.A. didn't really get going all too much. They had that really big run from Daryl Henderson, which I think was a 20 plus yarder. But aside from that, there wasn't a ton of uh, offensive production on the ground. So Daryl Henderson was their leading uh, their leading rusher, 12 carries for 56 yards, averaging 4.7 yards a carry. So that's definitely not good, but you can tell they got away from running the football as the game kind of went on. Uh, number 34, Brown, was their second running back, two carries, nine yards for him. Cam Akers had five carries for three yards. They even tried to give Cooper Cup three carries. He only got a yard on all of those. So... You know, for the first time in three or four weeks, it seemed like this run defense was uh, was kind of playing up to the standard that 
they should have been. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it's tough with the Rams to kind of gauge the overall success because the Rams aren't necessarily a team that runs the football a lot. But yeah, the they kind of they kind of struggle just as bad as the Bucks have up until this point in the season. That's important to mention, too. Yeah, but overall, it still was a really good job for the defense, especially dealing with that creativity that you see out of Sean McVay. Um, as I said, the front seven, I thought, did a fantastic job. Um, a lot of guys stepped up that you could tell this team. Um, especially I mean, at the end, you could tell this team. They needed this win and they were able to get it uh, running the ball wasn't really a factor. I was kind of surprised the Rams didn't run it more whenever they were up as long as they were. Cause I believe at one point it was uh 13 to six, I believe something along those lines, or maybe even a little bit more. It might've been a 10 point lead for them. Um, a little surprised they didn't run it more, but maybe they, that, that, that wasn't something that they were comfortable with doing. So all in all, I thought the, the, the front seven did a good job, not just at pass rushing, but in run blocking as well. Even given the circumstances, the Rams don't run a ton. Yeah, it, it wasn't an offensive explosion for either of these teams tonight, but you are right. I'm surprised that the Rams didn't take more of a role in, in trying to run the clock down when they did have the lead because they led for most of the game. The Buccaneers opened things up. They got the field goal on the opening drive, but it was all L.A. after that until the Buccaneers finally regained the lead in the last closing seconds of this game. Um, I guess we should talk about the offense now. So this is this is the not so fun part. The defense, you know, I thought the pass rush really stepped up tonight. We talked about the secondary keeping the passing attack under wraps for Matt Stafford, which they were unable to do last. Levante David was making some great tackles. I thought Carlton Davis made some great plays behind the line of scrimmage. You know, you started to feel his presence when he was popping up, tackling guys for, you know, tackle for loss behind the line of scrimmage, which was good to see he was coming up and making some plays. But on the offensive side of the ball, I, 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 hmm, I don't know how to start because, yes, they did win the game, and that's most important. Shout out once again to Kate Otten, the rookie tight end who got the game-winning touchdown from Tom Brady. Speaking of Tom Brady, his stat line looked like this, 36 for 58 passing, 280 yards, and one touchdown. If I'm not mistaken, I, I'm not 100% sure, so don't quote me on this, but I believe that is the most pass attempts Tom Brady has ever had in a Tampa Bay Buccaneer uniform. And even though he passed the ball 58 times tonight, he did become the first player in NFL history to eclipse 100,000 passing yards, a feat that even with guys like Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes playing, it's going to take them quite a long time to catch up to 100,000 total passing yards in their career. That also includes the playoffs. But what did you make of Brady's night? Only one touchdown for him, 280 yards. I mean... Offensive execution was bad. There were a lot of drops tonight. I think six or seven drops for Tampa Bay. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, nobody was spared. Um, and I thought Brady felt some felt some pressure here and there. But I mean, overall, he he did play well enough to to win us the game at the you know at the end of it there. But what did you make of his performance tonight? Throwing the ball as much as he did. Yeah, you know. Well, firstly, um, you know, regarding the hundred thousand passing yards, right? Um, I don't see that getting broken anytime soon. The next closest player is Drew Brees, and he's already retired, and 85,000 was his number. Uh, so he was 15,000 behind Brady. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think that's going to be broken anytime soon. Like you said, maybe Mahomes has a chance. Maybe Josh Allen has a chance. 
but I don't see that record being broken for a long, long time. Now, in the case of this game with Brady, his receivers did have some drops, right? They did. Uh, Godwin, Evan, you name it, a guy probably had at least one drop, right? But, and as much as it pains me to say this, you know, Brady did have a couple of off throws. He was getting some pressure in his face. A couple of passes were almost intercepted. Some screen plays that I think was, a screenplay was almost intercepted twice. Yeah, there, there um, were two near pick sixes in this game. Right, and that could have changed the entire complexion of this game to where it could have possibly been a blowout if that was the case. Um, so Brady did okay. He obviously led the team to a game-winning drive, which is obviously amazing, right? That's great. And the final drive of the first half, I believe, they moved the ball really well as well. But aside from those two drives, the offense continued to look pedestrian, right? They weren't able to move the ball a ton or have great success, especially in the red zone again. It just looked like the same, right? And, right, and I'm sure you can attest to this. Until, until the final drive of the game, this looked like the typical mediocre, below-average offense that we have seen. And I, and I don't mean to to nitpick and, and you know, sound pessimistic over a win. It's obviously great that they won, but there's still some issues there. This, this offense did not look like the offense still that we have seen in years past. And you take away that final drive, you take away the final drive of the first half as well, and you have some really mediocre offense that can move the football, sure, but is still getting three and outs, is still having to settle with field goals and having some issues in the red zone. And that's just the way it is, unfortunately. So had a couple of good moments for sure, but ultimately still struggled pretty mightily. And the Rams do have a very, 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 very good defense, but good offenses shouldn't automatically crumble whenever they meet good defenses. I don't... um. I don't think you're nitpicking. Those are those are all valid observations. Uh, there are still some clear issues with this team on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, let's talk about Byron Leftwich, who obviously has been in the hot seat coming into this one. The Bucks had a 10 day break between Thursday night against Baltimore and today against L.A. You would think after a 10 day break. And you would think after losing three straight games and not putting up very many points in those games, there would be some different folds to this offense. There maybe would be a layer of creativity or just some extra effort to try and mix some things up. But it, it did feel just like it always has. And luckily, the Bucks come out on the right side of this one and they take home the victory. But there was as good of a chance that they lost that game on that final drive. You know, it, either due to uh, Donovan Smith getting a holding penalty or, you know, uh, bad execution, a drop pass in the end zone like Scotty Miller had on the third and goal, which, you know, very well could have ended the game. I mean, it's it's one of those things where they came up right when they needed to and the timing was awesome and we are incredibly happy. I'm, I'm glad that we have, you know, a victory Monday tomorrow for the first time in almost a month, but when you're playing teams that are better than the three and four Rams and you know, the division rivals that we have now, the bucks play the Seahawks next week who have Geno Smith and Pete Carroll, who, you know, coming into the season, people didn't see Geno Smith having the season he's had. Not that he has been, 
you know, leading the league in touchdowns, but you can tell that the Seahawks are just a well-coached team, and that's what has gotten them this far. And when I look at the Bucs and I look at their offense and I look at the game plan week after week where it's like, you know, tonight in the first half, how many first down runs did they have? When you basically I, when you basically decide to just set your first downs on fire, I'm surprised they're still finding ways to be able to move the ball because there were a couple of times tonight where they came up short in the red zone, had a chance to score, didn't take it, elected to take the field goal, and the crowd booed, didn't like it there in the red zone. On third down, you gave it to Leonard Fournette up the gut, which is something that this team just can't do. I mean, week after week after week, we have seen Leonard Fournette come into the game on third and one, third and two, and they just don't get it. They just do not pick it up. And they take the conservative approach. They settle for the field goal. And in the grand scheme of things, it won them the game because, you know, the the Ryan suck up field goal that was blocked later that night, that's points that are left out there. And if you don't get that field goal to start the game, you're not playing for a touchdown to win at the end. So it's it's. You know, it goes both ways, but it's just situational awareness with this football team. Just doesn't it just it it doesn't feel like it's where it needs to be. You know, there's a there's a lot of a lot of questions still on the offensive side of the ball. And it seems like the same questions we've had for a month now, because you and I talked about it. It doesn't feel like a lot is changing with this offense to make them better. You know what I'm saying? Like Nick Leverett. Uh, sitting in at the left guard spot, who played okay tonight. He had his hands full with Aaron Donald lining up over him a bunch in that Rams pass rush. But like that's the that's the biggest move they've made on offense, and that's just because you know that's because of sheer necessity with Luke Gedicke leaving the game uh, due to injury, not playing tonight either. So it's like I just I haven't seen enough change to convince me that this offense is just going to roll because they certainly didn't roll tonight. It was just a good situation for them. And, and it was Tom Brady being Tom Brady, which ultimately won the game. But like, yeah, I, that that's, those are my thoughts on the offense. I kind of laid it out there. I'll, I'll end my ramble. Um, James, if you want to pick up, you're more than welcome. So me and you talked about this over on my channel um, after the game or not after the game rather, but, but on the, after the final drive, you saw Byron Leftwich give Tom Brady like the most endearing hug of all time, right? And I wholeheartedly believe that if the if the Bucks did not get the ball back and score that game winning touchdown, that Byron Leftwich would not be the offensive coordinator for the Bucks anymore, right? Uh Tom Brady saved Byron Leftwich's job, in my opinion, because there are still very distinct issues with play calling I mean you had kind of tracked it a little bit during the game I think they were like 12 of 17 for first down runs or something like that before uh like the final drives and stuff like that um and the Rams noticed it and they started stopping these third down runs after a while and there's just still issues with this play calling and issues with this offense both in execution and in play calling it's not just Byron Luckwich's fault uh, he would probably be the fall guy in this instance. Scotty Miller did drop a game-leading touchdown as well, but you got to have more efficiency from this offense. You have to, and we're still not seeing this. We're o- we're over to the halfway point of the season now. So the issues that are there, I feel like are going to be there for the remainder of the season. So it definitely begs the question of, well, okay, yeah, the Bucks got a tough win in this game, but how far can they really go? Because, you know, there's still a lot of offensive issues there. And, 
I think a lot of that is the, the stubbornness of Byron Leftwich. Uh, the first down run calling, I think, is just foolish at this point. It, it's it's all it's bordering on parody right now, right? Where we where in my you last mean, year, you, we, you mean parody, <laughs> right? <laughs> so so it's just yeah, it, it's it's in it's there's still issues with this offense. You got look, they still only scored 16 points in this game. You know, so will Byron Leftwich be fired? No. I mean, that is one. You're not going to fire a guy after you win a game. I I just, we still don't have any evidence that this offense is going to get much better despite the win. Now, they did have some good moments. As I said, the final drive before the end of the first half, the final drive that got them the, the lead in this game, those were some good drives. Guess what? It included a lot of passing. We need to see those types of drives more in games. I'm not saying every drive because that's just unrealistic, but you've got to see more and not just moving the football, but really just trying to get some ways to score points, touchdowns, not settling for field goals. The red zone efficiency is still such a huge, huge problem. Um, So yeah, while the offense did have some good moments, they they still have some stuff that they very, very much need to improve on. And and I don't think the Buccaneers are out of the woods under any circumstances regarding this offense or Byron Leftwich's offensive coordinator. Coming into this game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ranked last in the NFL for average rush attempts per game. They average right around 20 rushing attempts per game. Guess how many they had tonight? 20. 20. Eight carries for Rashad White, who is your leading rusher, 27 yards and an average of 3.4. Leonard Fournette had nine carries for 19 yards and an average of 2.1. Keyshawn Vaughn also had his first action of the season, two carries for four yards. And then Chris Godwin had one carry for one yard. It's a screen pass, technically counts as a run. So technically 19 run plays for Tampa Bay. Uh, which just simply isn't enough. But the lack of production can kind of show you why they got away from it when they needed to start to score some points. Because I think the offensive momentum tonight, whenever things did pick up, uh, was simply because Tom Brady just started throwing the football. Like, it, it <laughs> that's just, unfortunately, that's how it was tonight. Well, look, and, and, and running the ball more, you know, obviously, um, you know, you're going to say, well, uh, you can't get mad that they're running it on first down and then, you know, say, well, why aren't they running the football more? The, the problem here is that. It's situational. Yes, it's situational. You know, you're not putting your offense in the best place to succeed. Why not do the reverse? Do a short little pass on first down and then run on second down so you have more manageable third downs. That's what I would want to see. But we're not seeing that. And again, I'm not a play caller and criticizing play callers can sometimes be a very subjective thing. And it can depend on person to person. Other people may feel that Byron Luff, which is a fantastic play caller. I don't know. But that's just what I notice. And especially like to the point of how much they were doing it through three quarters of this game was just not laughable, but just in dumbfounding laughable laughable you can laugh at it i I mean it's historically bad production we're talking about here like this isn't just bad for the bucks this isn't just bad as in bottom of the league ranked bad i mean this is some of the worst rushing offense we have seen in history and it's unfortunate because you know the situations that you're running the ball just aren't getting it done we talked about the short yardage the the third one carries to Leonard Fournette where he's not able to break the plane and get a first down why not try it with Rashad White every now and again right why take Rashad White out of the game 
to put Lenny in to not even get a yard. It's just one of those things where before we have seen some guys in this offense, you know, carry momentum in games and, you know, kind of the same conversation we were having back in the day with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. You remember back in 2020, it was one of those things where like as soon as one of those guys was warming up, it seemed like this coaching staff yanked him out and then threw the other running back in there. And uh, that offense was a hell of a lot more productive than what we've seen this year. But it is shades of just, you know, why are we making these changes when we don't necessarily need to make them, especially when the stats are showing us that Leonard Fournette on third one is not going to get you the yardage that you need, which is unfortunate. But let's talk about the passing numbers for Tampa Bay tonight. Kate Otten, the tight end rookie hero who saved the day and won the game. Five receptions for 68 yards and a touchdown tonight. Scotty Miller. Seven catches, 53 yards, no touchdown for him. Leonard Fournette, five catches for 41 yards. Mike Evans, five catches for 40. Chris Godwin, seven for 36. Julio, two for 28. Rashad White, three for seven. Coquiffe had a catch for six yards. And Rashad Perryman had a catch for one yard. So Kate Otten and Scotty Miller, your two leading receivers for Tampa Bay tonight. Not what I thought coming into this one. Yeah, you know, I I thought Kate Otten did a really good job today. I, I thought that he made some really good plays, made one heck of a catch against, I believe it was Jalen Ramsey. That was a fantastic catch. He got the game-winning touchdown. That was fantastic to see. The young rookie's doing good. And obviously there's a drop between him and Gronk. Of course there is. There's going to be a drop between any tight end not named Gronk besides maybe Travis Kelsey. Um, and I would say, you know, besides that, not not many other tight ends. So Kate Otten's doing his thing. He's you know, it's and it's been good. He's been doing some decent work. Um, we haven't seen much of Kyle Rudolph or Co'Keefe in the passing game too, too much. It's been mainly Kate Otten, and I think the young rookie uh, really has been doing a pretty decent job overall. In the case of Scotty Miller, you know, he's had some he had some good moments in this game. He did drop the game-winning touchdown. He earlier. could have been the hero. That that could have been. That could have been the Scotty Miller redemption arc that everybody wanted it to be. Because once I know. You know, the offense was heating up and, and he was steady getting receptions. I know that people were getting excited to see Scotty Miller get involved in this offense again. Yeah, you know, and he did have a couple of really nice catches on the sideline after after the fact. Um, so that was fine. Scotty Miller had a fine game, all things considered. It looked like he was even getting more snaps than Perriman in the end there. Um, so they, they did good. You know, they had some good moments here, there, and and all in all, some young players showing up, which was which is always a, a pretty decent thing to see. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. And, you know, we, we talked about it. I want to stress this point again uh, for anyone who may just be joining us over on the live stream here on YouTube. We, we mentioned it earlier in the show, but, you know, if you're the Bucks, we can sit here and talk about some of the issues with this offense. But this is where the turnaround starts and a win cures everything. We just talked about the effect that it had on on Byron Leftwich and his potential spot on the hot seat moving forward. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of points the Bucs can produce next week against Seattle because I I don't know how that game's going to go. I feel like it might be even lower scoring than this one was. (laughs) Like, I, you know, but the fact of the matter is the Buccaneers have some positive momentum heading into another week of football for the first time in a long time. And I do think that's going to go a long way for this locker room because these guys know how to win. That's the thing. They know how to win. They've done it before. They just need to find their winning ways once again, and and they get back to that this week. Yeah, you know, they were due for a win after losing, what was it, three straight to the uh, 
Panthers, Steelers, and or to Steelers, Panthers, and Ravens. So they were due for a win. Three and six looks a whole heck of a lot worse than four and five. I'll tell you that much. Um, as I said, I think Byron Leftwich, Tom Brady saved Byron Leftwich's job. The offense was able to save his job in this situation. Uh, they're going to be going up against a team in Seattle that has had some really, really good coaching with Geno Smith, of all people, at quarterback. I would say that Seattle's defense is worse than the Rams. Uh, so it's not going to be a, a cakewalk, but it should be hopefully a more uh, matchup, a matchup more to the Bucks' favor, I guess I should say. Um, so all in all, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do. But like you said, the biggest thing here is that they got some momentum. They're able to at least start a turnaround. If they win next week, they're at 500. And that's pretty good. And obviously, you know, you think about it one game at a time. But um, this was a huge, 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 huge win. Not just for saving people's jobs, but for, but for potentially saving the entirety of the season as well. I mean, you look at a team now like the Green Bay Packers, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but they're what? Are they three and six now? Yeah, three and six after losing to the one win Lions today. Right. So, I mean, that's that could that could have been the box. They could have been in that big of a doomsday situation, folks. And again, I know it sounds overly pessimistic, um, but that's that's just to state how important this win was. Um this could be the turnaround, like Rhett, you were just saying. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see if the Buccaneers can use this momentum and how they utilize it moving forward. Something I think is important to mention here regarding Tampa Bay is uh, not only the game in Germany next week, but the bye week following that. So the Bucs kind of get, uh, as far as you know, teams get their bye weeks, I'd say this is right about where you want it with a tough stretch in the schedule. Bucks are going to be going international. It's a lot of travel. That would be a lot of travel if you've got a game immediately following, you know, the the next Sunday. So they'll get a little bit of a break, and and I still think they need it. Uh, Mike Evans, you know, he took that big hit on the first drive of the game. They had to tape him back up, and he ran back into the game and played the rest of the night. But he didn't look like Mike Evans for a lot of the night. You know, a lot of drop passes, just missed opportunities, and that has unfortunately become a habit for Mike Evans in these losses. That is not the Mike Evans we are used to seeing. And I'm not really sure what's going on between him and Tom Brady, but it is apparent that that connection is not a hundred percent as good as it usually can be as he's usually the, you know, the leading force in this offense whenever they are slinging the ball around the yard. So it's one of those things where guys like Mike Evans, you know, take some time to get better. Like Chris Godwin, I know he's been healthy, he's been back, he's been playing, but I still get the feeling that he's fighting through the rest of that injury, you know, kind of re-aggravated things early on in the season, sat on the injury report for a couple of weeks. I just, I think the timing is good for Tampa Bay. Now, if you can stack up two wins in a row and head into the bye week five and five, then to be honest with you, the narrative of this team turns around because you have some time to sit on you know, the two wins that you have. I don't want to sit here and get ahead of ourselves because we have no idea how the Bucs are going to play next week. But you want to talk about turning your season around. This is the perfect opportunity to do it. And it's, you know, you can go into the bye week four and six, but you definitely wouldn't like to. I think you want to start to catch back up to the rest of the teams who are pulling away from the, the three, four win teams in the NFL. And next week is a huge shot to do it. But the bye week thereafter, I think the Bucs are hopefully going to, going to take as much advantage of it as they can because some guys just they just got to get their heads right it, it feels like you know a win tonight is going to go a long way but for a long time I'd say for three and a half quarters it did feel like some guys on this offense just were were checked out 
Yeah, I think I think the bye week after next week is huge, right? Uh, it's been a really tough past couple of games. I mean, even this game, you have two losses against two really not good teams, and now you have a, a hard-fought win, but still a kind of ugly win. So depending on how this Seattle Seahawks game goes, you know, if they get a good win, hey, just go into the bye week, take it easy. But if you get a loss or another ugly win, yeah, you're going to need that bye week to take some time off to reevaluate things as a coaching staff and as some players as well involving execution and scheming and whatnot. So, yeah, not a bad bye week at all, in my opinion. Um, I, I think that it is a good opportunity for the Buccaneers to kind of relax and reload in terms of their mentality and whatnot, which is, I feel, very necessary at this point. So, yeah, we'll see if they can make some changes that need to be made because there are certainly some changes that still need to be made on the offensive side of things. Defensively, I think they're still playing really well. Just got to get better on uh, offense right now. Yeah, I think uh, Byron Leftwich this week, they were they were giving up some heavy-hitting questions the last couple of weeks, and I don't think that's going to slow down at all this week. Um, I think people are still going to be looking for answers as to why this offense has looked the way that it has these past few weeks. And the biggest question going into next week is what kind of adjustments are they going to make? Are they going to make any? Are they going to look at this as a win and say, yep, that was good enough. We're going to go ahead and stick with that uh, in Germany next week, because if that's the case, I don't think it's going to be enough to get it done. But the million dollar question moving forward is what kind of adjustments can they make on the offensive side of the ball? You know, James, if you're Byron Leftwich, if you're in the hot seat and you're in charge of most of the game plan, you're collaborating with your boy Tom Brady every single week in the meeting room after practice, trying to figure out how to just, you know, add some extra some extra pizzazz to this offense that desperately needs it. You know, what are you drawing up? What do you think the Bucks need to hone in on to uh to really play to the strengths of this offense, which is, you know, what they're going to need to do here in the second half of the season. I would take a look personally at how they're running the football um, and kind of get more creative with that and change some of the situations of when they're running the football. And I would look to stretch the field more on longer plays. We haven't been seeing a ton of that throughout this year with guys really being able to stretch the field. Like I said, we saw it a few times on a couple of drives in this game, but overall throughout the season, it hasn't been a ton of big time plays. So that's that's a couple of things that I would work on in terms of scheming wise in red zone efficiency. My gosh, they got to figure out some stuff in the red zone. So those would be the three things that I would look at is situational running, finding out more ways to be able to stretch the field and use guys to the best of their abilities. Because the guys that you have are stretch the field type guys where you can throw them long, long passes and long balls and whatnot. So I would take a look at those two things and then also red zone play calling as well, which I feel like has been a pretty big issue. Yeah, I do agree. Um, we, we talk about how the Bucks have run the ball and how, you know, even though they're averaging 20 carries a game, they're not doing very much with it just because of situational running, the short yardage situations they put themselves in. It's almost like you're wasting runs on first down. You're wasting carries with Fournette week after week when you see that it's not working on third and short. And hopefully they can... They can start to mix that up. Another thing I'll be looking at really closely with this Bucks team headed into next week is uh, how prepared they are to play. Like, I, I know that sounds harsh, but, you know, the execution errors have to stop. Like, th this Bucks team is better than seven dropped passes in a game. They are better than all of these, you know, BS penalty calls, whether it's jumping off sides, which I, I will say the pair of offsides penalties to start the game uh, were a little rough. I don't think they needed to be called, but you know the the offensive stuff on on Donovan Smith, the holding, the false starts. 
um, you know, Coquiefed on special teams with the holding, like the Jake Camarda, the the sixty eight yard punt, right? I mean, the best punt he's had all year. He only booted it because the Bucks got backed up three different times just because of penalties, preventing that play from getting off. And like, you know, thank God Jake Camarda had as great of a night as he did. We'll talk about that here in a second. But this team still has a lot of sloppiness that it needs to clean up. And at this point, it's just it's unacceptable because I, I hate to say it, but a head coach like Bruce Arians just isn't going to put up with this stuff. And, and Todd Bowles has proved up until this point it's something they're going to put up with. And and that's going to hinder this team throughout the rest of the season. If they don't get that cleaned up. Yeah. I mean, you know, you take a look at the penalties. I think they had four in the first quarter, which was tough. They did clean it up a decent amount after that. Um, But again, that kind of falls under discipline. Um, Guys have just got to be better, you know, a couple of defensive offsides, a couple of holdings here or there. Uh, Those are the types of things that can really make or break drives be it for the opponent or yourself. So you've got to be a little bit better in regards to that. All in all, I feel like the Bucs haven't been crazy with penalties so far this year, which I feel like is a good thing. This might be one of the the more egregious games they've had regarding penalties. So that was was what it was. I definitely feel like things are going to improve um, regarding some of the penalties and get back back to it being more – uh, manageable, I guess, regarding penalties and overall discipline. Well, in the context of those penalties matters, too. You're like a, a holding call on a first down run that sets you back five yards. It sucks, but not a lot of people are going to care that much. But when it's Donovan Smith negating a huge play to the end zone, you know, that's that's another thing in itself. When it completely kills the drive, puts you back, and you aren't really in a position to go for it and be as aggressive on fourth down as you like to, stuff like that. Like drive killers, essentially, right when this team needs them the least. It's just, it's been killing them this year. There's been multiple instances where you can either look at where they're in the red zone or just setting themselves back in the game with, with needless penalties. It's got to be cleaned up. Got a $2 super chat from Dero83 said, What a great job from the punter tonight. Yeah, we're just putting them over. I know we've been talking a lot, talking very highly about this 2022 rookie class. Logan Hall was a little quiet tonight, but. Keith showed up. He was a great blocker for most of the night. Um, you know, Kate Otten, the rookie tight end, with the touchdown grab to seal the deal. And Jake Camarda with that 68-yard punt. Or I think it was even 74 was another one that he had. I mean, just a ridiculous night that he had. And, and I'll say it again. He got cheated because Todd Bowles definitely should have challenged that one ball that bounced shy of the end zone. That was definitely as good of a punt as you can ask for in the NFL. Yeah, Jake Kamara, I thought, had a, a really, really solid day today. There was a couple of punts that maybe he wished he could have back, but, man, he had a couple of bombs today. There was two beautiful, beautiful punts that he had had. Um, that was really fantastic. You know, I think a lot of people were waiting for a game from Kamara like this, um, and we finally got some some money punts from him, which was, was, which was a great thing to see. I know people would be like, why are you guys freaking out about the punter? There's some, some good stuff. Hunting can be a big deal, knocking teams back into their own territory and field position and things along those lines. So I thought that Camarda really did a good job in helping out the team. Uh, Suckup had an okay game. He did have the one blocked, not even okay, a good game besides the one blocked kick, which was, I still don't like that rule, being able to jump over the line like that and block it. I think it makes it. I thought they did away with that. So it's if you're running and you jump. And you get a running start, essentially. If If you do a standing jump, it's, fine um 
I think that those, I think that whoever made that rule forgets that these are world-class athletes and that they can do standing jumps pretty yeah, darn uh, easily. Yeah. Bobby Wagner in uh, 65 pounds of NFL pads and equipment can still just stand there and leap over an NFL center whenever he wants to. Right. So aside from that, I thought that Suckup had a really good day. He made all of his other kicks otherwise, even a 50 yarder, which is a little two bit ki- tougher. Two kicks him. tonight from 50 plus yards. Right. And those are tougher for Suckup to make. Those are certainly not gimme. So I thought Suckup really showed up tonight, did a good job. Same with Camarda. Even Jalen Darden, I thought, has been looking more and more efficient as a returner uh, as the weeks go on. And I know some people are going to say, but he runs out of bounds all the time. Look, that is what it is. Uh, I think that the special teams has certainly improved a, a pretty decent amount throughout the past couple of weeks, which has been a very ple- uh, pleasant surprise. And it continued this week with Camarda, Suckup, and Darden in there as well. Yeah, I, I, don't thought... rem- I, I don't. Sorry, I don't think Ryan Griffin was active in this game. Or Ryan Smith was he? Uh, I I didn't see him. I didn't okay. see him. He's wearing number thirty three. Um, I didn't see him out there. But we'll have to watch the game back again and let you know for sure. Snap count should be out either tomorrow or the day after. I thought Jalen Darden probably had his best game as a buck returner tonight. He's had a couple of other big returns in games, but I think something that we saw tonight that we don't usually see is he was consistent. Um, I I thought setting up the bucks on that final drive of the game, he was running sideways when he shouldn't have been and took a little, took a little time off of the clock when he should have just charged ahead. But I mean, that's me nitpicking to be honest. I thought he had one of his better career games tonight, but Ryan suck up, man. Three for four tonight, only two misses on the season, one of those being blocked and the other one being week one in Dallas, which was a longer attempt. Ten points on the board for him tonight, including the PATs. I'm going to Ryan suck up jersey. Like, it, Are you actually going to get one? Yeah, no, I'm actually going to. I know they don't sell them as suck up jerseys unless you maybe order on NFL shop. So I might have to go like custom make one at the Bucks team store. But I am 100% at some point, maybe after the season, uh, 100% going to get a Ryan suck up Jersey because he has just been the absolute man this year. Like he has been everything that the bucks have needed when called upon, you know what I mean? Like those two misses, they're acceptable because one of them was incredibly long range. It was week one. It is what it is. It didn't lose the bucks, the game. And the other one was blocked, you know? <laughs> so it's, and, and I don't put that on suck up. No. No, it was a great play by uh, by Bobby Wagner. Basically jumped over the center and then jumped up again. Um, just an athletic play by number 45 for L.A. But yeah, Ryan Suckup has been money this season. And uh, he has been our main source of points. And I think he will continue to be for the rest of the year. This is one of the best years of his career so far. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully, you know, Suckup isn't the main guy scoring points. You know, hopefully he's just more accomplished. Yeah, well, hopefully that... he's not, but we'll have to see if this offense can can change their ways moving forward because still some things to fix. Yeah, but but Suckup being as good as he has been has really helped keep the Bucks in games. And honestly, like, I, I like the idea of you getting a Suckup jersey. That kind of makes me want to get one, too. Um, you, should get a, yes. you should get a Camarda jersey. Right. Um, but no, like Suckup's been really good this year, and he's been good since the Bucks signed him. Uh, he's been the most consistent kicker the Bucks have had since what Connor Barth, uh, maybe, maybe Pat Con- Murray, Pat Murray. You know, shout out to Chris Fisher for that one. But um, yeah, you know, and that was, those was that was years ago, 2015. You know, so it's been seven, eight years of just bad kickers, and now you have Suckup here for the past couple of years, and things have been looking pretty good, you know, and suck up's the big reason why this team has been able to score points this year, whether he, you know, 
wanted to be the reason or not, you know, whether they wanted him to be the reason or not, he he's the reason they're scoring some points um, in, in a decent bit of situations. And I think that that is a great thing to see. So yeah. Hey, go Ryan suck up, man. Special teams matters. Yeah. It's a guy that they chose to pay and bring back. They brought in some legitimate competition in camp with the young gun, Jose Borregales. And even though he's got that young leg, he was nailing 60, 65 yarders in training camp, even though he's got all that. He didn't step up when he needed to in the preseason. Suck up, won the job fair and square. And here he is leading the team in scoring up until this point in the season. So let's wrap it up with some closing thoughts and look ahead to next week against Seattle. I think, you know, I kind of mentioned it before, but one of the things I want to see the Buccaneers do next week is just look like a look like a well-coached team. You know what I mean? Like, like, look like a team that has been there before. You know, let me let me see a game where I can give this coaching staff credit at the end of it for them winning the game. Right. The Bucks show up ready to play. It's an international game. I know people are going to be tired from travel. That always plays a factor. You're practicing. You're doing walkthroughs over there. It's a different process, but just show up ready to play. Look like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, this coaching staff is not any different than it was last year, minus Bruce Arians. You know what I mean? Like, they have had these players in positions to win before, and they need to start doing it again here in the second half of the season. I need to see something from Todd Bowles, and especially Byron Leftwich, that at the end of the day, I can look at and say, you know what? Like, that that's good work by our coaching staff, because there hasn't been a lot of times this season where I've been able to say that. I would say the defense has been kind of a bright spot. You know, especially with Todd Bowles calling plays as well. Um, so that's always an important thing to remember. You know, they held the Rams to third, the defending Super Bowl champion Rams, you know, to 13 points today. Hey, the defending Super Bowl champion Rams are, are nothing, nowhere near the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And don't you forget it, buddy. If anything, this is showing me that that Rams Super Bowl run was a fluke, but I, I didn't say that. <laughs> well, no, again, so I mean, you know, I think I think that Bowles and has been doing a, a pretty decent job in terms of defensive play calling and making the most with some of these guys backups who have gotten hurt and whatnot. So I think that that was good. Leftwich has got to step up as OC. I mean, we have not seen it at all this year. It's been bad, um, and it, that's got to improve. I think Bowles has done a decent job in defensive play calling, and I think your point, in my opinion, would fall more under offensively. Is what I would think. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with all of that being said, that's just about going to do it for this week's game recap episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. The next time we talk to you, it'll be a little bit later on this week. We'll be joined by former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Sean King. We'll get his thoughts on the game and what the Buccaneers need to keep doing moving forward to stack some W's headed into the bye week. That show should be out here in the next couple of days, so stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Shout out once again to everybody over on YouTube. Subscribe if you haven't for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. We truly appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. We peaked right around 400 viewers, which is absolutely incredible and a great way to cap off a Tampa Bay Buccaneers win. Bucks win once again, ladies and gentlemen. What a great feeling. We'll talk to you later this week week uh james thank you for filling in this week for the suspended evan wanish not going to get into what he did you guys may find out soon enough but uh 
I appreciate you stepping up to the plate. Next man up mentality from our boy James, a.k.a. Mr. Bucks Nation. Where can the people find you and some of your awesome content? Yeah, you can find me on YouTube at Mr. Bucks Nation. Same thing on Twitter as well. Uh, I'm also writing articles at BucksNation.com. I just did an article uh, a couple days ago about how I thought the X Factor for this Bucks game was going to be Akeem Hicks. Was a little bit right to a certain degree. Yeah, I like it. Uh, um, so I do all my work there, mainly on the YouTube channel here. I know a lot of people are coming over from my channel. Thank you guys so much for that. And if you are new to Wretch channel here, Go ahead and subscribe and uh, like this uh, live stream that we've been doing on here for the YouTube folks. It would mean a lot to us if you were to do that. Um, and yeah, man, next man up mentality. You know, uh, when I got the call, you know, uh, it's just something you always prepare for. You know, I always have the headset on whenever I'm on the sidelines with y'all. And, uh, you know, it's something that you prep for. You know, sometimes people call it a clipboard, you know, job, whatever it may be, you know. But, you know, whenever a guy gets suspended, got to step in. Got to step in. So, yeah, well, we're great. We're grateful. We're, we are grateful to have you on the roster, especially at this point in the season. Thank you once again to my buddy James. And uh, last but not least, folks, you can find myself on social media: Facebook, no, not Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus R H E T T A K U S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you guys later on this week with former Bucks quarterback Sean King. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are first place in the NFC South. Hopefully a win next week can uh, extend their lead as we enter the second half of the 2022 NFL season. The Bucs are four and five, and we've got something to celebrate, at least for tonight in Tampa Bay. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off for my co-host, James Hill. We'll catch you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thanks for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.